This episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by timeslipcharts.com, mobile-friendly logbook and analysis. You can quickly enter, view, and analyze your runs from your phone or PC. Analyze your season, recognize the trends, and catch your weaknesses quickly at timeslipcharts.com. It's a cloud-based logbook that you can use anytime to track your logs, get advanced stats, and use those analytics to improve your performance. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. It is episode number 26. It is the second week of Rocktober. Guys, girls, thanks for all the feedback. You know you can always message the show on the Facebook page, on the Twitter page, or you can hit me up on the email at fastbracketsoutlook.com, just like Zachary Martinez did and said, Hey, Rex, just wanted to let you know that I have enjoyed listening to the podcast. I really think that top sportsmen and top dragster are finally getting the attention it deserves. I'm a D4 racer in Super Street, and I always look forward to watching these classes compete, especially at the Texas Motorplex. Thanks, Zachary. That is very nice of you to say. I appreciate you, brother, and good luck with the rest of your season Guys, look, I was a little bummed out this weekend that I couldn't race. I, I get on Facebook, I see everybody throwing their uh, posts up, and you know it, it will be a little while before I get back out there again. So I went and did something to try to cheer myself up, which was see the Joker movie. Um, I'm a huge Batman franchise fan and was fired up to have Aaron Glasser on episode number 17 uh, to highlight his Two-Face car. So I went and saw that movie, The Origin Story of Joker, and it got me fired right back up and had me talking like the Dark Knight saying, tell your friends about me, um, which is a very weird way to say, uh, please retweet and share the show on Facebook. Um, for whatever reason, Facebook hates it when I put a link in there to the SoundCloud or iTunes uh, show every week. So I need you to subscribe either to SoundCloud or iTunes and then just share it a lot. So appreciate you for doing all that. Um, hey, we have a couple of great guests this week. Um, first off, the uh, Philip Oakley. He's a Division Three engine builder and top dragster front runner. And then Neil Strasbaugh. He is the crew chief for Leah Pritchett's top fuel dragster. Um, you guys are going to love these guys also, so let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, do whatever it is that you do. Um, change the oil, clean the shop, load into the rig to get to the track, but we're going to get our helmet on, we're going to get strapped in, because here we go. 
Okay, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put it in the water box. And let's let's ask the question right now. This weekend begs the question, was this the greatest weekend ever for top sportsmen and top dragster in history? I mean, let's break down the facts. Uh, the U.S. Nationals notwithstanding, we had 50 top dragsters show up and 48 top sportsman cars show up at the PDRA event. We had the quickest field ever in top sportsmen at an NHRA event in St. Louis this weekend. We had Danny Nelson doing Danny Nelson stuff in St. Louis. Um, And there were no pros running this weekend to dilute the drag racing world from the greatness that is top sportsman and top dragster. So um, lots of great things happened this weekend and certainly have sparked some discussion and i will i will listen to the argument there that there is such a thing that there is a thing as going too fast in these classes uh but for now i'm going to enjoy it um i think there's always a progression in these classes there's always the next movement and right now the movement is going fast and i like it um and for that reason I believe that we are in the glory days right now. All right, let's put it in the beams presented by thisisbracketracing.com. Up next is the owner of Oakley Motorsports. He is the Division Three sponsor of Top Dragster and Top Sportsman. He's also the driver of the Texas Roadhouse Top Dragster with multi-wins in both the divisional and national top dragster category. And this summer is winning all the heads-up open outlaw events that are around Kentucky and that great state. Welcome to the show, Philip Oakley. Philip, how are you today? Doing great, buddy. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, no, um, happy to have you. You um, right now are in the heart of Division Three. You sponsored top sportsman and top dragster in division three, which without question is the fastest division in the uh, country. And you are building some of the baddest engines uh, in these classes. How on earth did you get started in all this? Well, I mean, a little background on me is I grew up uh, with my grandfather at the uh, round tracks. He'd take me every week to, uh, you know, watch the round track racing is big here in Owensboro. And uh, a lot of big cup drivers have come out of Owensboro. And uh, so I always liked fast cars growing up. And then has uh, my first car was a, a Trans Am and uh, had that in high school and got involved in uh, a little bit of street racing and carrying on and, and um, just always had the uh, urge to uh, race something. And, uh, you know, it just grew from, from, that car we drove to uh, school every day to just upgrading and upgrading and upgrading until we get to the point where where we're at. So were you going out to Windy Hollow Dragway or mostly was it on the street? Yeah, I didn't. You know, when I was 16, 17, 18, we, we actually did a lot of street racing, but uh, I grew out of that pretty quick and just went to Windy Hollow Dragway, uh, Chandler Motorsports Park, Ohio Valley. Th- those were my main, Bowling Green, main little run of uh, tracks. And uh, um, 
they had high school classes back then. We ran them a lot. Went and had a bracket finals deal. Won a high school championship and that. Just just things like that. Yeah, you've um, you've certainly grown um, from that um, segment, and now you're building some of the baddest motors around. Um, not only on the top dragster and top sportsman side, but you do some other stuff that's even wilder than that. Um, you want to talk to us some about like the wildest motors you're building right now? Uh, probably some of some of the coolest things that we're getting to do is uh, some of the big Hemi, uh, smaller cubic inch uh, truck pulling engines we've done. Um, we've done some. Um, a lot of people don't know that I have a customer named Don Bowles that runs NA105. He's been been off for a year or so, but uh, some of the FR9 Cup style engines. Um, him and Jack Roush are big friends. I've done a couple of those for him down here. You know, we turn these things 10.5 for RPM and, and make a, over a thousand horsepower and under 400 inches. You know, um, so we've done a we've we got a wide array of. Uh, stuff that we've been involved in we've done several five inch bore spacing 770 inch deals um we've moved into the uh centrifugal blower market in the last year uh we're real tickled with our the success we're having with that so um just a lot of cool things going on yeah and that um centrifugal stuff you use on your texas roadhouse dragster correct that is correct you want to walk us through um that that piece a little bit because uh you've had a lot of success with that this year we uh we originally decided to do uh two of those uh, as many people know kind and dinkle has uh one of the first ones we did and then of course the one in my own personal car um mine is a 540 has a, a brodex aluminum block brodex cylinder heads um cali's crank excuse me it's titanium valve, Inconel exhaust. Um, Urson does the camshafts for us. Uh, Jessel's got a, a steel rocker on it. Just, you know, your typical bread and butter, good, solid parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we chose the Vortex centrifugal blower. Um, I, there's, there's several reasons there that I did that. Um, but one of the biggest reasons that I found since I've been in business, if you, if you want to, uh, start something new, uh, the companies you deal with, uh, you have to feel like you have a good relationship with those guys to get feedback back and forth in case you do have trouble, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I, um, met Lance Keck at PRI. I talked to him about the Vortec, um, product. I just really impressed with their overall, uh, uh, craftsmanship, um, the way the parts look, uh, the feedback they gave me, their willingness to do about anything to help us move this product along. And uh, so we chose the Vortec blower and, and, uh, honestly, we, we couldn't be happier at this time. Well, you're not having any problems making power, that's for sure. Um, and I guess the thought with that is you can have pretty standard um, equipment internally um, with that with that centrifugal blower and still make incredible power, right? You don't have to do right. custom stuff. It is, you, you, you're able to use, you know, um, more ready available parts um, that, that makes the, the job more affordable. Uh, and then uh, the durability just seems to be incredible. 
You know, uh, I think that the biggest thing uh, about these engines is just the execution of putting them, them together. Well, yeah, you've and you've done that at a high level, uh, so much so that you um, got booted out of, uh, you know, your own event, Philip. So uh, yeah, you got a speeding ticket. You uh, went too fast. You went under 6-0, um, and that was at the Indy Divisional. Um, you want to tell us how that conversation goes from the division director to the guy who sponsors the class? Well, and honestly, we uh, we went up for the last qualifying session. Um, I was going down beside J.B. Strasswig, who is a customer of mine. I knew how his car ran. Um, I seen two or three other customers really pick up in the last qualifying session. So I went back to the trailer, grabbed the computer, and tried to slow the car down some from where we had tested on Thursday. And uh, went out there. Um, I knew that I really couldn't be more than a car length in front of JB to try to go 610. Uh, and we were riding down. When we left the starting line, I kind of got out on JB a little bit, and I thought he shook the tires. And um, we were going down the track, and it, then the race kind of looked right. And then all of a sudden, one of his nitrous kits shut off, and I just – drove out on him and i'm like man i'm going too fast i grabbed the brake pedal and i just didn't get enough of it and um i'll never forget i pulled off the end of the racetrack and uh i heard him on the radio you know and uh saying hey um you know philip went too fast uh and and nobody wanted you know a sponsor of the class nobody wants to tell you that you know what i mean and and I said, hey, guys, don't don't worry about it. You know, it, I know the rules. Um, we didn't aim to do it. You know what I mean? But it wouldn't be right for me to make a big deal about it and then expect it to happen to somebody else. So, yeah. uh, to be honest, I really don't think that our, our everybody knew what the – actual law was for say uh of what had to happen whether the race had to leave the facility uh, a lot of things got clarified after that but the bottom line is is when you go too fast um you get a zero for the race and uh it has to go against either your division or national points um okay. so if i can claim eight divisionals and take the best of the five five of eight then that has to go in that eight it doesn't mean i have to claim it as one of the five it just means that i got a zero so now really i can only claim five of seven gotcha so that that that's how that works and uh it's a pretty stiff penalty you know um for, for going too fast i can't say that you know it is the rules you know, and I know what the rules are, and, and, and we all have to abide by them. You know what I mean? doesn't mean it's my favorite rule, you know, but uh, it is what NHRA supplies for. So, you know, we, we all we all got to play on the same playground. Yeah, they're, they're um, making their point with that, right? Do not do not go too fast. Yeah, and, 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 and as, as we all know, you know, I mean, uh, I went to Bowling Green and I went under again, you know, and then there was a lot of discrepancy about whether – you know, you're going to be out for a year or, or, or all these things. But at this point, they have not changed the rule other than each time you do it, the same uh, disciplinary action, if you want to say, takes place. 
But uh, NHRA does not want us going faster than six flat. I can promise you that. <laughs> right. Well, let's suppose um, for a second NHRA turned their head. Um, how fast could you turn that thing up to? I'm pretty sure that we can run 570s with it pretty easy. Um, you know, um, the thing is uh, not showed me its fuel, full potential yet in the uh, eighth mile. Uh, we've been as fast as 374 with it. We've been 10 370s, you know, uh, with running the open outlaw classes that we were talking about earlier. Uh-huh. You know, it pretty well runs in the 370s all the time. Uh, I'm going to try to uh, run some 360s with it here on our next outing. Uh, I continue to learn a lot about this engine combination. It's really impressing me. Um, but uh, I think that the uh, it's hard to say these things close the back eighth mile uh, so fast that uh, I don't truly know that we know how fast they'll go unless we just leg it out there and see. And do you think they'll live at that at that mile per hour and at that uh, that speed? I mean, yes, it... we're not seeing anything at all with uh, trouble uh, out, of, out of these engines. I mean, let's don't you know you can't kid yourself. Common things can happen, sure. you know. But sure. uh, uh, my personal engine's got ninety. Uh, 98 or 99 runs on it after this last weekend. And uh, I can tell you that uh, because I've tested stuff and tried things, you know what I mean? I mean, I've been, I haven't been easy on mine and uh, we just haven't had any trouble at all. Right. No, that's, that's really cool stuff. And obviously the classes are uh, bending that direction and for good reason, I think. Yeah. I mean, St. St. Louis really showed us, um, with top sportsmen that, uh, you know, the class is not slowing down, you know, uh, um, there's going to be a lot of changing going on this winter. I feel like just because can you imagine having a 670 car, a 680 car and being in the running for the divisional championship, go to the last race and you can't qualify, you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's tragic, you yeah. know? So, um, guys aren't going to sit at home over the winter and not know that they can't, can't get in those fields. You know, I think that we'll see a lot of changes in top sportsmen over the winter, especially top sportsmen. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, you know, the writing is on the wall, that, that is for sure. And, uh, you know, if you need them, if you need to go a little faster, if you're sitting there at uh, 680, 690 and need to bump it up, Philip Oakley at Oakley Motorsports is there if you need him. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Philip, and uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you so much for having us, and uh, we really appreciate uh, everything you're doing to help promote the classes, and uh, we're having a blast. And like I say, anybody that has any questions about our programs or anything, feel free to give me or Jay, my son, a call here at the shop. We'll be more than glad to spend some time on the phone with you and talk about what we can do to help you out. I like it. That was uh, the great Philip Oakley. Today's half track report is brought to you by dragracelawyer.com, like it always did and like Ed Harney always does. Um, you know by now that if you need someone you can trust, someone who is like you, a drag racer, and has the legal expertise you need to tune your high horsepower life, you have to go to dragracelawyer.com and talk to Ed. 
special disclosure today. I talked to Ed and he wanted me to remind everyone that this is not like TV where every case is solved in an hour. So um, just remember that and get with him early uh, before all those things that you need him for take place. All right, guys, girls, let's get to it. Um, let's start with the NHRA Division One event in Virginia Motorsports Park. So starting on the top sportsman side, your number one qualifier is Jeff Brooks in his 51 Henry J. Jeff goes 639.8 at 218 miles an hour to take the pole spot. There were 24 cars in top sportsmen over there, and your winner was Scott Weiss over Vonnie Mills. So Scott leaves exactly one second sooner in the final. He's dialed 769. Vonnie is dialed a 669. But Scott's 007, one above four for a 21 pack, makes it tough on Vonnie because Vonnie uh, has a 21 light. So he's got to be perfect. And it was a great race, but Vonnie goes two thou under giving Scott Weiss his first Lucas Oil Wally. So congrats to Scott Weiss on the win in Virginia. On the top dragster side, your number one qualifier was Frederick Perkins. Um, he goes 612 with an O at 225 miles an hour. There were 23 cars that showed up in top dragster, and your winner, an all-female final, was Brooke Foley over Carmen uh, Malicella. Uh, Brooke is a 29 dead-on one for her first Wally in her first final round, so congrats to Brooke Foley for winning top dragster at Virginia Motorsports Park. Now, let's go to the PDRA Fall Nationals at Darlington Dragway. Um, And as we mentioned earlier, there were 48 cars that showed up for top sportsmen. Really nice show out um, there. And on the top sportsman elite side, your number one qualifier to the eighth mile was Jeremy Creaseman. He goes 380 with a 7 at 188 miles an hour. The bump spot there for those elite 16 cars was a 413.2. And your winner was Dwayne Slance. He comes from the number five spot. He is 13 on the tree over Jamie Fowler's 007. Fowler runs off, letting Dwayne Slance get the win in Top Sportsman Elite. On the regular side, the number one qualifier there for the next 32 was a 4.17.2 at 171 miles an hour. And your winner, after all is said and done with those 32 cars, was Norris Willis over Bill Yates when Yates goes red. So nicely done there in Darlington. Now on the top dragster side, there were even more cars. There were 50 top dragsters that showed up trying to win um, that event. Uh, Your number one qualifier on the top dragster elite was Jody Stroud going 371.1 at 201 miles an hour, denying the bender the top spot that he wants so bad. I know that uh, the bump spot was a really nice 370 or 397.8. So all 16 cars in the threes there, really nice work. Uh, but your winner was Nick Hamilton over Carson Brown when Carson goes 001 red. Ouch. Uh, congrats to Nick Hamilton for getting the win in Top Dragster Elite. 
On the regular side, your number one qualifier was Phil Sexton. He goes 4.056 at 170 miles an hour. The bump spot there with all 48 was 4.789. And your winner was Brooke Hallgary over Blake Denton. Brooke is 18, one above eight. Blake is a 26, two above. And Brooke Hallgary gets the win in top dragster regular 32 at the PDRA event. But all of that was a precursor to what was going down at the Worldwide Technology Raceway in St. Louis. That will always be gateway to me, but what was happening there was historic, and it was amazing. And there really should not be any surprise It's the chassis car capital of the world. It's St. Louis. It's October. There's the Midwest uh, top sportsman group is there. So, I mean, it really shouldn't have been a surprise. Um, We had an idea, but when you set records, it's time to go nuts, and that's exactly what happened. Your number one qualifier, as always, seemingly, is Lester Johnson from Cynthiana, Kentucky. He takes his 55 Bel Air down that track um, at 613.2 at 227 miles an hour. There were, get this, 49 cars that showed up to try to qualify for that 32-car event. Your bump spot was a 665.3. That is a new record. That is the quickest ever class um, in top sportsmen, the quickest ever bump. And I want you to keep in mind that the week before, that was the national event in St. Louis, the pro stock bump the week before on the same track was a 664.9 for that 16-car field. So there was only 4,000 difference between the bump spot in pro stock and the 16-car field, and the bump spot in top sportsman with a 32-car field. So um, if you're a fan, um, this may start causing a problem, I think. But uh, that was unbelievable. It was so good. Um, Everybody came out and put on an absolute show. And in great fashion, it ended up being not only the quickest uh, bump spot ever, but it was also a 55 show. It went very retro because Lester Johnson goes number one in his 55 Excalibur, and then the winner is Bob Mandel Jr. in that bad-blown 55 Bel Air, and he gets the win over Paul Pittman's beautiful car, but when Paul goes red in the final. So congrats to everyone there, all 32 of those cars, and truthfully, all 49 competitors that showed up and absolutely went ballistic in setting a new record. That was so great. Um, And, you know, the top dragster side did their thing too because uh, this was impressive. And in a whole nother way, folks, um, your number one qualifier was Jeff Cornyn. Um, He goes 6'10 with a 3 at 227 miles an hour. There were 27 cars there. Uh, Danny Nelson qualifies 18th at 621 with a zero. So there were uh, 17 cars, all 620 or better. Um, So, I mean, nobody was letting off on that one. And 
to talk about Danny Nelson for a second. Danny Nelson gets the win. He is a dead six over Mario Bosch to get the win. And uh, this just in, folks, Danny Nelson's good. He's very, very good at what he does. Um, He takes the national champion points lead with that. And just to put this a little bit in perspective for everybody, uh, Danny goes to Bowling Green, gets the dub. He hauls to the U.S. Nationals, um, goes to the semifinals there. He goes to Norwalk, gets the win. He goes to Midwest Pro Mod um, Series, and I think it's a runner up there. Um, goes to Columbus, gets a win. Goes to St. Louis, gets a win. Are you following me now? The way I have it, he is 26 out of the last – he's won 26 rounds in the last 28 attempts. And that does not include any of the heads-up fast four events that he's uh, competed in. He's essentially making a mockery of the class in the fastest division in the country at the age of 63. You're not supposed to do this. I was, there was no way this was supposed to happen at the beginning of the year. Nobody could have predicted this. You are not supposed to win like he's doing this. I thought going into this that you'd have a winner, a different winner, every single event. That's not what's happening. Um, you might as well just etch Danny Nelson's name on the trophies going forward. Um, and it's ridiculous. You cannot tell me that he is not spiking those Miller lights with HGH or steroids or creatine or something because he what he's doing at the age of 63 is amazing. I'm 45. There are um, times in my life where I think are the best days of me behind me. And then I think of two guys. One is Ray Kroc, who did not start McDonald's until he was 54 years old, broke and going through a divorce and ended up uh, one of the richest men of all time because he got inspired at age 54. And the other guy is Danny Nelson, who is treating top dragster like it's his little playground and destroying people at the age of 63. Somebody check those Miller lights for steroids, PEDs, um, check to see if he's got Lance Armstrong's number in his phone, something. But uh, what he's doing is ridiculous. Congrats to Danny Nelson for getting it done one more time. Now, let's go to Division 5. Um, let's let's talk about uh, where we are in the points uh, segment there. So Division Five, they are complete out there. So if you're gonna pick up any more points, you got to go someplace else. Um, on the top sportsman side, your number one points getter is Alan Firestone. He's got 366 points. Uh, Tom Patterson is 269. Larry Deemers is at 268, right behind him, sitting at number three. Jeff Sutherland has 249 points, and your number five points getter right now is Kelly Land with 237 points on the top sportsman side. So Alan Firestone sitting clearly in the lead. Um, and the the interesting thing is Larry Deemers, um, you know, didn't even collect any points for winning U.S. Nationals because technically he didn't qualify. So uh, really interesting scenario that way. But uh, congrats to Alan Firestone for being on top and the likely Division Five champ. 
On the top dragster side, your number one points getter right now is Victoria Johnson. She's got 280 points. David, David Harrington is sitting number two at 269. Bradley Green is third at 248 points. Um, he's claimed six events. Matthew Kreft has 248 points but has claimed seven events. And then Donna Patterson is number five at 247. So um, three, four, and five tightly packed there. Um, so we'll see if anybody else tries to claim another one. There are only three divisional events left in the season. Um, Chandler, Arizona next weekend, Rockingham on October 18th, and then the Vegas um, Divisional. That is, of course, a 64-car field where you can make up a few extra points if you need them um, on November 7th. I will be there live and in action in Vegas on November 7th just in case this thing gets dramatic and uh, I need to check it out with my own eyeballs. So uh, holler at me if you're going to be there. Next week, we're going to talk about the NHRA Division 7 event that goes down this weekend at Wild Horse, Arizona, the NHRA national event at ZMAX for the top dragster guys and girls, and then Midwest Pro Mod Series goes to Tulsa, Oklahoma for the throwdown in T-Town. And we will continue to get you caught up on all the point standings. We'll talk about NHRA Division Six and the PDRA point standings. Whoa, let's get out of the groove here for just a minute. Um, on the line with us now is the crew chief, on Leah Pritchett's top fuel dragster. He is a Don Schumacher racing mainstay from Brownsburg, Indiana, Neil Strasbaugh. Neil, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great, man. I am great. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, hey, I I know um, you know, you and I go way back. We come from the similar area. Um, you have done great things in your racing career. But uh, maybe take the listeners back and uh, talk a little bit about how you go from Hillsboro, Illinois to Brownsburg, Indiana, um, wind up competing for world championships in the top fueler. Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it's a story I, I like to share because I started off, you know, a small farming community in Hillsboro, Illinois and, and graduated high school in um, 2001. I had sent out nearly 90 resumes to uh, any address in professional drag racing that I could find. Um, and I got, I received one phone call to go to work for Chuck Etchells. And it, uh, you know, I took that, I took that one phone call and said, Hey, I'm going to go give this a whirl. And I was only going to go racing for one year. And then I had plans to go to college, you know, to uh, have a uh, real career, I guess you'd say. Sure. And so, so I went racing for the the first year in 2001 and, you know, kind of traveled the country, seen the, seen a lot of places for the first time. And after that first year, I said, oh, maybe I'll do this for two years. And, you know, next year is going to be my 20th season. So it's just kind of uh, been amazing how it's worked out. I've worked with some phenomenal people and, and just been at the right place at the right time in my career uh, several times to be able to move around team to team. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, uh, I worked for Chuck Etchells in 2001. I worked for Daryl Gwynn Racing uh, out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida in 2002. And 
we were we were based out of Fort Lauderdale at 19 years old. That wasn't necessarily a bad gig for me. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so that was that was a lot of fun. The uh, there was a crew chief change about halfway through uh, 2002, and a, a new crew chief was hired by Daryl Gwynn Racing. Uh, crew chief by the name of Mike Green, mm-hmm. and at the time I was getting ready to uh, actually quit Daryl Gwynn Racing. I, I kind of after about a year and a half, I go, you know, all my friends are going to college and you know, partying, you know, doing their thing, and I thought, well, maybe I ought to just go to college. So. I had already given my notice to leave, and when Mike Green came on, he talked me into staying in the Western Swing. Uh, he, he said, just give me three more races. Just give me three more races, and then you can go do whatever you're going to do. Well, I ended up working for him for 15 years. So, um, From Darrell Wynn Racing, we went to uh, – he took me with him when we went to Don Perdome Racing. I worked on Tommy Johnson's Skull Blue Funny Car for five years with Mike there. Yep. And then after that, um, Perdome had ran out of funding with the Skull Blue Car and had parked that, released the team, and Mike was hired to run Corey McLennathan's Dragster in 2008 at Don Schumacher's. So. Mike called me back. He says, hey, I got a gig at Schumacher's. You want to go with me? I said, okay, here we go again. So um, I had worked my way up. Um, I started in 2001 doing the bottom end of the engine, um, tires, you know, cleaning oil pans, whatever. And by the time I had left Perdomes, I was Mike Green's assistant crew chief. And then he had hired me again at Schumacher's is his assistant crew chief. So uh, that's really, I would say, the uh, kind of the split in my career. I feel like there was a lot of struggles early on up until uh, 2009 um, at Schumacher's. I would say that was the turning point in my career where we really, really had some good success. Um, I, I went from working on Corey McClendon's car in 2008 working on the U.S. Army Dragster with Tony Schumacher in 2009. And we uh, basically just kind of assembled a new team in 2009. And we lucked our way into winning a championship that year. So Something um, tells me luck that, didn't have much to do with it. You, uh, I know you guys work very hard. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, uh, you know, luck plays into it, but it's uh, – you have to have all your ducks in a row, no doubt, going into it. And ultimately, the the key of the, that success, in my opinion, was Tony Schumacher. You know, he uh, w- when we came to work with Tony, he'd won you know six, seven championships at the time, or something. Maybe I think six. And he was the inspiration of just telling us every day, "Hey, we got this. You know, we can do this. This is how you do it." And until you get to go into a championship race um, when it's coming down to the wire, you know, you, I guess you almost, uh, you almost kind of have to expect to fail because if you've never done it before, how do you know that you can do it? Right. So, you know, with Tony, he just, um, you know, he's just an awesome 
public speaker and awesome teammate that cheers you on just says, Hey, we got this. We got this. This is how you do it. Enjoy the moment. And, um, and let's race through it. And we ended up winning the championship by two points in 2009. And I ended up uh, working with him for another, I believe seven seasons after that. So. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's very impressive and it goes to the power of uh, having the right mentality every day. I think. No doubt, no doubt. I, I I can't say enough for Tony and his positive speaking. You know, at, uh, and being surrounded by the U.S. Army, that was that's a, a different sponsorship. You know, not that um, not that I ever want to say that one's any better than the other, but you know, you're representing a way of life for for hundreds of thousands of men and women around the world that, and you're wearing their colors, and that was just an awesome, awesome opportunity to be able to work on the U.S. Army dragster. Yeah, no doubt. And and now you're working on uh, what is, uh, you know, Leah Pritchett's top field dragster, and you guys got a shot now. Like, you're not you're not that far out. You're 62 points out. There's four races left. What's, uh, what's the feel around uh, the pits right now for you guys? Uh, you know, we've, we've been gaining momentum as the season's gone on. Um, we, we won Brainerd here, I don't know, a month and a half ago had a really good showing. We've had a couple things bite us since then. We didn't have a very good outing at the U.S. Nationals. We lost first round smoking the tires. But we've we've changed some stuff in our clutch setup. I mean, ultimately, that's, you know, we live and die by that. People get tired of hearing crew chiefs talk about the clutch, you know, all oh, the discs or this and that. But it is just, you know, it beats everybody up at some point in time or another. So, we're we've got uh, we've got a really good clutch disc package right now. Um, we've we've got you know plenty to get us right through the end of the season here, and we we changed it around a little bit going into the countdown, and it's been pretty forgiving. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait to go hit the gas in Charlotte here in a couple of days. That's right. That's right. Um, well, just maybe just a quick peek into your day to day. Um, operations at the shop obviously at the track there's a lot going on but when that thing comes back into the shop um, kind of maybe walk through you know what your day-to-day is um, in between races because you're in Brownsburg now and then you fly out to Charlotte tomorrow correct yeah yeah so I guess my main role is a uh, I you know I don't really know if my title is assistant crew chief or co-crew chief or or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Just we got, we've all got to work together to accomplish the same goal. So, um, when, when the trucks come back, you know, the crew guys unload the car, they unload all the, all the discs and everything that, um, that we're taking out of service that we've used up at the previous race. Um, you know, whether that be, uh, use connecting rods, use pistons, whatever it might be. So we kind of empty the trailers out, clean them all out. And then, each crew guy kind of goes through an inventory situation, you know, it's like, okay, I broke this. I need this. We need to order that. Um, so a lot of, a lot of what I do is just logistically figuring out, um, I guess, for instance, last week we, we had a, we had, we popped the supercharger and, and we had some rockers that were beat up. So, you know, I needed to make sure I got the rockers sent out in a timely fashion. So Jessel could get those rebuilt and get them back to us in Charlotte. So a lot of shipping, a lot of ordering, you know, right, purchase orders. Um, just, you know, uh, it's just a huge, 
um, it's a massive thing when it comes to the uh, parts attrition on these top fuel cars. They just, I mean, every time you blink, it's we need more of this, we need more of that. And so Are you that, trying to tell me that 11,000 horsepower is hard on stuff? Is that what you're trying to tell me? It can me? be. It can be, yeah. You know, there's, uh, it's just, the parts attrition is pretty crazy. Even when you're not blowing the thing up, it just, it's just hard on stuff. It, they, as efficient as we want to say that they run, they, they, they just make so much power that it, it's hard on parts, you know? So there are times where I believe we could, you know, make a full run and we come back and, you know, if the spark plugs weren't, if the wires aren't burnt off the spark plugs, it would probably restart in the pit and be just fine. But, um, so overall the efficiency is pretty good, but it just, you know, we get four or five runs out of connecting rods and four runs out of a piston and right. it just huge, huge parts attrition. Is the, um, in your opinion, and I, I think this is really impressive that you guys have been able to get the speeds back to a thousand foot that they were at the quarter mile just a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. In your mind, like is is there more to get out of it? Or are we getting somewhere close where it, like they just thing won't go faster? Yeah, it's it's pretty close to being topped out. Um, obviously, our mile an hour, um, like even in Reading, you know, there was some records reset with mile an hour there, and yep. and that came to track condition. It was really cool, um, good track condition, um, good air, so we can make good horsepower. But I don't want to say there's a hidden speed limit, but you know, the sanctioning body doesn't want to see cars over 340. It's, uh, it, it just gets too dangerous with the, what we're putting the, the Goodyear tires through. And, you know, we've already gone to a thousand feet so we can, you know, have more time to get these, these vehicles stopped. Yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a tug of war, you know, it's, it's the sanctioning body and the tech department to keep us under, you know, under control and keep the speeds down but we're paid to increase those speeds and, and get more performance out of it. So it's a constant tug of war on what we're dealing with. So um, I would say with, with all the, um, the current ignition, uh, we, we actually have a rev limiter on the car that is mandated by the NHRA. So with the current mandated rev limiter and our, we, there's some supercharger rules as far as the, inlet size opening and stuff like that. So with all that, I would say speeds are are nearly topped out for right now. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Well, in addition to um, handling your duties um, on Leah's car, you've also got some pretty cool pieces around your own place um, and and do a little bit of something different um, in the monster truck world, right? You want to tell our listeners about that stuff yeah so that's uh that, that's kind of my uh, i don't know if you'd say hidden fallback plan but <laughs> the uh the racing industry is especially in top fuel has it's gone through some rough times you know i think we've bounced back pretty well after the recession as far as sponsorship but the as i was talking about the parts attrition and the, and the large amount of funding that it takes to run a fuel car you know, there's been teams with Alan Johnson racing and Morgan Lucas racing, you know, there's teams that's gone away over the last 
five or six years. And so, you know, I got to thinking about it. Uh, I had taken my son when he was like three years old to Monster Jam in Indianapolis. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the stadium. I'm looking around. And I think there's like 40,000 fans there for a one-night show. And I go, man, there's there's some marketing value in this <laughs> <laughs> for, uh, for all ages, you know. So my brother and I got to talking about it. I said, hey, why, why don't we look into, you know, doing something with a monster truck? And so one thing led to another. We had bought a, a pretty rough turnkey operation from a guy and, um, I, I told myself that I was going to be okay with that. You know, I can be okay with this thing being rough around the edges and leaking a little oil here and there, but right. that, uh, <laughs> that lasted for about six months <laughs> and, you know, being a, uh, being a top fuel mechanic, you just can't leave anything alone. So naturally I, I tore the original truck apart and I, I just had this dream. So I'm going to build a new one. So started from scratch building a new truck and you know again being a top fuel mechanic i said well i can build this thing in a year there's there's no reason it should take me more than a year and it took four years to finish it (laughs) right right (laughs) so i minorly missed the deadline that i had put on it by myself but um so yeah right now we've got a we've got a full-blown professional monster truck um it's called the Monster Experience. Uh, the name basically comes from it's a it's it's a little bit different. It's a uh, it's a like I said a full blown professional truck meets any you know professional Monster Jam standards, but it's got two ride seats in the cab, so it's an extended cab pickup. Okay. Um, so the whole premise behind it is to do corporate ride programs. Um, you know, maybe like ride and drive programs or whatever, but gotcha. we we can uh, we can strap some people in it and and go crush a car. So very we, cool. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we've uh, you know we just don't have this uh, whole business plan you know laid out just yet. Yeah, but. We're, uh, the truck's finished. We've, we've done some neighborhood parties with it and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and those have, uh, what, those have Hemi blown motors or they have the five forties. Uh, it's got a five, yeah, five forties. Um, there are some Hemis, the Dodge guys, the Hall brothers, they, they run, uh, you know, just solid Hemi aluminum blocks, but, um, yeah, mine's just big block Chevrolet and blown on alcohol. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Very, very cool stuff. Well, hey, Neil, I appreciate you walking us through that. And, um, you know, if uh, if this little experiment of yours um, about being a crew chief doesn't work out, if you just decide, you know, <laughs> um, it's very well documented that I need a crew chief for my car. So, uh, you know, you're let's uh, let's talk, big boy. I, I I don't know that you have the parts budget for me to be involved with that. I don't. I clearly don't. Anytime, no. any, anytime you know, somebody asked me, said, hey, you know, uh, can you help me tune my race car? I said, well, yeah. I mean, we order pistons in lots of, you know, right. 350 at a time, so – <laughs> yes no no very good no that's uh that's great stuff and uh we all at fast brackets nation are uh, rooting you guys on for the rest of the year thank you i appreciate it we'll uh 
we can take all the rooting that we can get. You know, it's, uh, we love the fan support, and that's what keeps us going. Yep. That was the great Neil Strasbaugh, um, ladies and gentlemen. As we hit the mile per hour cones, we're going to go to timeslipcharts.com. They are bringing us the data. As you guys know, the mile per hour cone is our tech segment. So we wanted to give you an example of what timeslipcharts.com can do for you. Today, I wondered about the average reaction time. So I wanted to see what the difference between the reaction times between top dragster and top sportsmen were in round one. And then I also wanted to know what the difference between round one and the final round was in terms of reaction time. And then also the difference between the wins and the losses in the rounds in the final. So what changed? Obviously, there's lots of things that happen on the track. Um, Typically, you can get on a roll, but then the pressure of the final comes around and does that affect you? Does that affect average reaction times or not? So let's walk through this just a little bit. The average reaction time, and this is NHRA across all divisions in round one for the winners is a 21. So um, 21 thou there. So in top dragster in first round in the finals, the average reaction times for both finalists is a 17 and the final winner is a 15. So pretty impressive um both uh both winners and losers gaining on it uh, in the final so i thought that was interesting so uh to recap the average reaction time in the first round for top dragsters is a 21 uh, in the finals it's a 17 and the winner is averaging a 15 light in the final so how does that correspond to the top sportsman folks um the average reaction time for a Top sportsman first round winner is a 23. The 20 or the finals is the exact same. So the finals average is a 23 as well for both of them, but the finals winner is a 21. So it gets a little bit better for both. Um, The top dragsters go from a 21 to a 15. Top sportsman folks go from a 23 to a 21. So I thought that was really interesting and just a small example of what time slip charts can do for you if you're trying to make your program better and really, really dig into the numbers. All right, let's bring it back in and take the stripe. Uh, Hey, guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 26. There it is. There's the wind light. Uh, Producer Rob is playing Gloria. Bam, there it is. I knew it was coming on. Hey, um, thank you for our fantastic guests, Philip Oakley and Neil Strasbaugh, for coming on. They were both fantastic. Next week, we'll get results points updates, and as always, the best drivers in tech talk. Uh, Please tell your like-minded Fast Brackets friends about the show. You can subscribe on SoundCloud and the Purple iTunes podcast app. Um, Hey, you guys were really good last week with the feedback, but keep it off the limiter. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe.
This episode of the Fast Brackets podcast was brought to you by timeslipcharts.com, mobile-friendly logbook and analysis. You can quickly enter, view, and analyze your runs from your phone or PC. You can analyze your season, recognize trends, and catch your weaknesses quickly. Timeslipcharts.com is a cloud-based logbook that you can use anytime to track your logs, get advanced stats, and use those analytics to help your performance. You get better looking every week, too. Um, I do. There's no question. You're welcome. Um, it's <laughs> it's a diet exercise and about 17 hours of sleep every day.